Welcome to Kids and Their Dog, a Scooby-Doo movie review and recap podcast. I am your Hanna-Barbera talking animal, Cassidy. My pronouns are she and her. I'm Lava. They, them. And with us is a new special guest. Please introduce yourself as you would like to be introduced. My name is Kara Barrows, guardian beast of the seal and keeper of the cloud cards. But you can call me Crest. My pronouns are he, him. <laughs> Welcome. Thank you. Thank you for being on our show. Um, as a new guest, I do have a couple of questions for you, if you are okay. prepared to answer them. Yes. All right, let's start with a simple one to get you warmed up. What's your favorite flavor of slushy? Um, cherry. Heck yeah. Cherry's a good one. All right. Uh, what's your favorite Scooby-Doo series? Um, hmm. A pup named Scooby Doo. It was on so many times in the morning as I would get ready for school. That's a that's a crowd favorite here at the show. Yep. All right. Which member of the gang do you relate to the most? Shaggy with Velma rising to quote a previous cast member, I believe. <laughs> All right. And uh, which character would you like me to bleep you out with if you were to curse? Um. If you can find it, Daphne going wowzers, I think she said once or twice. Mm. And if not, just there's some going jinkies is fine. Alright. And finally, the most important and difficult question. What's your favorite combination of pizza toppings? Oh, I just go for classic pepperoni. Hmm. Respect. Yeah, it's a classic for a reason. Yeah. Now, it's time for me to pull up the listener questions that we received on twitter.com do a little bit of research for some of these all right um so i'm going to start with tanner's questions here um tanner at sparky upstart current display name tanner's deranged after school special uh they begin with if scooby was i'm gonna if Scooby was a fairy in a precure, would he be a type 1, a type 2, or a type 3? Can you explain that to me, please? Because I've watched <laughs> precure, I just don't know what he means by type. So, this is actually a reference to the other podcast I'm on, Precure Podcast Engage. I need to catch uh, up on it still. <laughs> where my wonderful partner, Charlie, has decided that there are three types of fairies in Precure. And I reached out to get a f- full clarification, even though I have been told it multiple times. Um, and C says, Type 1 fairy is a fairy that always stays a fairy. Type 2 is a fairy that has a human form and is a girl and usually becomes a pretty cure. Type 3 is a fairy that has a human form and is a boy and yeah, does a kiss or has romantic tension with one of the pretty cures. Repeat the question again, please. Which type of one of those fairies would Scooby be if he was in a precure? Uh, one. I cannot imagine Scooby as a human person. As a human shaped being, I should say. Um, so, I do not think he would have a human form. I think if Scooby was in a pretty cure, Scooby could be a type too. Mm. I understand where you're coming from, but Sailor Moon managed to pull it off with Luna, 
Luna became a people once. Huh. I have an answer for this, but I don't know how well it'll go. Go for it. Well, um, I could be wrong, but in Mystery Incorporated, which this might be spoilers because for the Patreon thing, I don't know. Um, but wasn't there always like a joke about um Shaggy and Scooby? Uh, n- okay, not really. It's mostly that Shaggy is too close, like in our like as far as like just personal relationships go, like. They are two close friends, and it made Velma uncomfortable being in a relationship. Hmm. Okay, because, well, my head was going like, well, never mind. I guess I don't know where my head was going at. <laughs> this is probably getting awkward. Um, in that case, I'm going to say type 2, because he could probably pull off the magical little dog boy thing pretty well. I mean, Kira Kira Precure did it. All right. Next question is, if Mystery Incorporated got involved in a Shaolin showdown... What would be their Shengong Wu of choice? Well, Shaggy would probably have the golden tire claws make it easier to run away. <laughs> nice. Either that or the fancy feet, which apparently allow the user to run at supersonic speed. Hmm. Daphne. I can't remember the name of it, but what is that one Shengong Wu that allows you to shapeshift? It's like bracers. You put them together and you pull them away and suddenly you're a new, different person. Um, let me see if I can find it. I will say that Fred probably has the silver manta ray because it's like <laughs> a mystery machine. I was going to say Sapphire Dragon, the ultimate trap, but okay. <laughs> oh, the Moby Morpher. There it is. That's the one. That would be Daphne's. Um, and then, I think, Velma, what was the top one I saw up there? Yeah, Velma. There are so many. The, probably the one. crystal glasses, right? I, seeing the future? I think that might be a bit too faulty for her because of how easily that one reversing mirror thing twisted mm-hmm. it. That might not be, like, Oh, here we are. The Fountain of Fui grants the user infinite and random knowledge. <laughs> there we go. Perfect. Scooby still needs one. Oh, um, let's see. He might like Jet the wings Butsu. of um, the wings of Tanabi. He might like the ability to fly. Yeah, either wings of Tanabi or uh, the Jet Butsu both allow the same thing. <laughs> yeah, there are a few double ups. That's a little, which I find a little weird. Yeah, I think it makes sense because, like. You know, it allows you to have both sides using the same powers in a Shaolin showdown. True. Ooh. Uh, Shadow of Fear, which allows users to see and bring to life another's worst fear. That would be the opponent. Yeah. It would certainly be uh, interesting. So, I have a very important question that I'm now thinking of reading this. Would it work against Scooby and Shaggy, or would it just, like, overload? Oof. Um. Mm. Granted, I do not know the, like, contents of this episode um, that it featured in, so I don't know anything about it. But man, it would be really funny <laughs> if it didn't work on them. I'm trying to but find like that, it. I don't think it would work, because they're afraid of everything, so what would it even show them? 
Right. So I don't think it would overload as much as it just wouldn't work entirely. Or it would do something like really weird and abstract, like no food or no Mm -hmm. friends or something like that. Yeah. Hmm. Or what if this time the monsters were real? (laughs) Oh, it's it's such an interesting idea. Yeah. What? Okay. Caddy ends in two years. What if Shaolin Showdown? Ooh, it's been a long time since I've watched Shaolin Showdown. <laughs> Look, all I know about Shaolin Showdown is that I still, like, I still love Jack Spicer, boy genius. Listen, I love Jack Spicer so much! I don't know why! He's just so good. I won't lie, I do have, like, a rough Shaolin Showdown fanfic idea in my head. Where I take, <laughs> where I take um the concepts from... Um, Shaolin Chronicles, and I actually like I try to like make it work for canon. Of course, I would get rid of ping pong because no use there. But like, there were some good concepts with Chronicles, even if the rest of the series was just eek. Yeah, I remember when they like announced that it was happening, and then I just never caught any of it. I know they had to change a lot of the names because of like copyright reasons, uh, because. Someone else still owned the copyright for all of the names of the Shengong Wu. Uh, well, I think Chronicles is on Netflix. I could be wrong about that, but yeah, it was like originally okay. So originally, Shang- Shaolin Showdown the original was like either a Kids WB or like a Cartoon Network joint. It was Kids WB. I know that. Um, and then Shaolin Chronicles was a Disney joint, which is uh, why they couldn't do as much stuff there. All right. Um, next question from Tanner is: What are Scooby and Shaggy's favorite Japan exclusive flavors of Kit Kat? <laughs> there are so many options; it's ridiculous. <laughs> it's funny you should mention that because um, a YouTuber I follow also did this movie review, and they also brought up the Kit Kat thing. <laughs> nice. Um, I feel like they would be down with a matcha green tea. Mm-hmm. I could see that. Do um, they have chili flavored? I don't. I know I they have sakura flavored. I think. I think they might like something spicy. Oh, sorry, Lava. No, no, no. It's good. It's good. I I think that they would tr- want to try every single one. Like it might be that they discover it that the the different flavors in Japan, and they're like. We have to go out of our way to find each and every one and try one. That would be if they discovered a Scooby um, snack store over there. Yeah. You mean like a, like a vending machine full of Scooby snacks or something? <laughs> <laughs> Hot Japanese chili is one of the flavors. Nice. <gasps> Choco banana. I love one of those. Mm. Ginger ale. I'm not sure how to feel about cough drop. Green bean. <laughs> Lemon cheesecake sound like, sounds like it would be dope. Mm-hmm. Baked potato. <laughs> oh, there's a con- this, this list continues. Oh, gosh. Miso soup. <laughs> that one's not so surprising, though. Yeah. Pumpkin. Yeah, didn't they release pumpkin Kit Kats over here? 
like in the past couple know. years? May maybe. Hmm. All right, that's enough looking at this list of Japanese Kit Kats. Uh, it's one of those. <laughs> Probably. If not all of them. Uh, Tanner's last question here is, Sukinoko real? I don't know who that is. Sukinoko very real. <laughs> uh, Sukinoko is one of my favorite mythological creatures of Japanese origin. And they are... They are a little fat snake. Oh. It's like a little sausage. little sausage snake that is often drunk. <laughs> <laughs> sure. It is the basis for the Pokemon Dunsparce, who is my favorite Pokemon, as <laughs> heard on the podcast My Favorite Pokemon. It also has the best Yu-Gi-Oh card ever. I'm going to post that in the chat so everybody can see it. Um, oh. The Yu-Gi-Oh card is Danger Sukinoko. Oh, that is oh adorable. God. Oh, that is cute. But yeah, Sukinoko real. Yeah, Sukinoko real. <laughs> All right. Next is a bunch of questions here from Janine Juliet, current display name Janine by Night. And she asks, between this and Monster of Mexico, which handles the cus- the country and customs with respect and dignity? Neither of them. I will say that this one does it more. For the most part, like it, it's a bit better about it than Monster of Mexico was. In um, my notes, I literally have three definitions written down for this one. Um, one of them is this movie is better than Monster of Mexico, barely. <laughs> See, yeah. th- there's a lot of this movie that I was pretty okay with, and then like one major thing happened that is going to kill this movie in the ratings for me. Mm. Yeah. Um, but like. If they didn't have that one part, I would have put this on par with, like, maybe a little bit less than the Hawaii one. Aloha, Scooby-Doo. Right. I actually think this one is better than the Hawaii one, but again, just barely. Yeah. It's like, they trip over the same stuff. Mm-hmm. But this one, I feel like, trips a little bit harder. <laughs> yeah. Uh, We'll get to that at the end, though. All right. Next question is, what yokai would have made a good mystery if the monsters were real? Well, Janine, have I got a surprise for you. Um, this I, I time, yokai very well. the monsters are real. It's still Sukinoko, right? I don't know if... Su- does Sukinoko count as a yokai? Hold on, let me Google if Sukinoko is a yokai. Hmm. Well, question. Does- Said it was a cryptid. Does yeah, Suki- that was Wikipedia that said it. Sorry, no worries. Does Sukinoko steal things other than sake or wine or whatever it is? Because do they steal food? Because if so, that would be a convenient hook into the mystery. Um, like Sh- Shaggy and Scooby hmm. are picking out, and then a, a Sukinoko steals their food without them noticing. Yeah, I, I mean, especially if they were going to adapt it for this, it would be a situation where instead of it being alcohol, it would be food. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's true. Kids rating and all that. Um, I think it would have been very funny if Sukinoko was a bit character and wasn't the actual mystery, and it was just like a, sl- a low-lying joke throughout the movie where the food would disappear and the audience <laughs> gets to see the Sukinoko. Yes, it'd be adorable. But then right? it jumps away. 
No, it waddles away. I have an idea. I though, granted, this is only based on half stuff, so I don't really know how viable it is. But wasn't there like an old Japanese tale about um a fox spirit or some sort that would like lure men away? So they mystery would be called to Japan because um husbands or fiancés to be keep going missing. Hmm. And we could do a whole thing with Daphne getting jealous of Fred because of how he's just stares. Yeah. Okay. Um, or here's my thought, because this is a long list of yokai that I'm looking at, and I don't want to try to sort through and find a good one. Um, what if it just became a crossover with Yokai Watch? <laughs> <laughs> and that was the mystery. Oh, gosh. At the end of it, they go, did Deadpool break the fourth wall again, causing crossovers? <laughs> this next question is the same question, but the monsters aren't real. Um, that would just become a case of which one of these yokai is someone pretending to be. Yeah. And secretly it's... Well, I did just read this one sentence for... Oh, I wish I could... I wish I knew how to pronounce that. Uh, I'm going to say Samebito, a shark man from the Undersea Dragon Palace, which sounds exactly like a Scooby-Doo mystery. Oh, that's yeah. a one. All right, and Janine's last question is, is the Black Samurai just Japanese Bigfoot? No, the Black Samurai is Japanese, the witch's ghost. <laughs> yeah! <laughs> yeah! I did think of it. I did think of witch's ghost at a certain point in this movie. I think Japan actually has a Bigfoot of their own, so no. I could be wrong about that, but there it is. Alright, uh, and the last pass of questions we have here is from at magical underscore pride on Twitter, aka Charlie, the fairy prince from another dimension. Uh, their fir- Sir, first question is, is there a country or location Scooby-Doo hasn't gone to yet that you'd like to see a movie set in? Have they gone to South America yet? Not in a movie at the very least, at least not that I'm aware of. Have it they could've... gone to Paris yet? Uh, so... Technically, yes. <laughs> they start in Paris in V-Chill Scooby-Doo, and that's actually something I was going to bring up, is that at the end of that movie, Fred is trapped in the Amazon. <laughs> we could get a continuation of that. True. Um, Atlantis. Atlantis would be a good one. Well, That's te- surprising that we haven't done that. Um, well, actually... I don't know this for sure because I haven't read them all yet, but technically speaking, Scooby-Doo is part of the DC universe. Yes. <laughs> and for all I, and I'm pretty sure teams with Aquaman have happened. Yeah, I just make a movie about it. Yeah. He teams up with Batman in the movie that we'll get to at some point. <laughs> and I'm not talking about like the old TV show. I'm talking about a movie that was pretty recent. I have seen clips. I know what it it's is. It's pretty easy. good. <laughs> All right, uh, sir. Next question is: Did you ever take karate or martial art courses as a kid, or want to? No, I played the fifth. Um, I thought about it multiple times as a kid, but I never did. And uh, want to? In theory, sure, but I am a wimp. I tricked out some books on it when I was in. Like, middle school or something. But that was about as far as I went. 
I'm fairly certain need a lot of self-discipline for it, and I have negative self-discipline, so... Sorry, no. Alright, in this next one I need to pull up something to help me try to remember, because I don't have my notes for that episode anymore. Uh... Hmm. Oh, shoot. Oh, goodness. Which episode was that? <laughs> Which one? Uh... So I'm talking about an episode of Precure. Oh, okay. I thought it was an episode that we had done. But no, that's not the case. Yeah. Um, so. Is this? Oh, it's a podcast. Oh, not only is that a podcast, that's our podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I went to Google the name of the episode and then Precure and it showed up with the podcast that I do. Which is, <laughs> oof. I love that. Nice. Uh, okay um so last question is do you think the samurai legend in this one is better than the one in futari wa so this is what i remember because i can't find it anywhere is that since i watched that one i'm no help i'm sorry so there were two samurai a green samurai and a red samurai um and they both like pledged their love to this lady or something and died protecting her but the legend got changed so they, they they died fighting each other for her or something. And at the end of the legend, basically, their soul is put to rest by the song of the ghost of the princess. Aww. Or something like that. I like it more because I remember it being a very fun part of that episode. And they turned into giant, like, kaiju samurai that fought each other. Nice. Um, The one for... This movie is like, you know, bog standard. This is a magical sword. Mm-hmm. The sword is evil. I, I do. Okay. Well, I don't want to crush on it too much because like, the, you know, they did have like a fun twist of like, yeah, here's the magic sword. But also here's a magic sword that I made in half the time. And this one's evil. <laughs> well, actually, um, the YouTuber I mentioned earlier, he said this legend of theirs in the movie. It actually is a very real thing. Mm. It was okay. based off um. I believe the legend of Mothamune was it. Yeah, that sounds right because I believe that was the name of the, uh, the smith in the legend. Um, yeah, I remember when I was looking this stuff up. A lot of the stuff, like the trivia on like the fandom wiki, was like, "Hey, a couple of these things are like real things," which you know, credit for that. That's like part of why I felt this one was pretty good until one thing happened. <laughs> Uh, okay, that's the last of our listener questions. Um, actually, I have one for you in person. Okay, I love that. You recall how before I've asked you if this how different the series would be if Scooby was a cat. Now I want to ask you both how you think the series would be if Scooby was a fox. Hmm. hmm. Foxes are very, uh, cat dogs. Hmm. I feel like food stealing would be more prevalent, but yeah. Yeah, I feel like Scooby would be a little bit more conniving, but still like a coward. I think it would be a lot more uh, Scooby slipping out of uncertain situations. Um, And if there was snow anywhere, it'd be very funny. (laughs) So you do the little bunny hops. (laughs) 
Yeah, I think that's like the main things that would change is that Skew, you'd just be like a little bit more like conniving about everything. Uh, it would steal Shaggy's food a lot more. Scooby yeah, is it's, it's a thing that Scooby already does, but it would become a little bit more devious. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I just want you to know, Lava, that I'm upset that I don't remember any of the lyrics to the cat dog theme song for when you said that <laughs> foxes are a little cat dog. <laughs> uh, I don't either. I think at one point you is... say no three-eye frog or something like that. Yeah. It's a very ridiculous theme song. It is. Very typical. But it's also good. Yeah. God, it's kind of embarrassing that I do not remember any anything from it because I watched that show obsessively as a child. It's playing in my head as we speak, but I cannot for like me vocalize it. Yep. Okay. So believe because the only real news to say is that by the time this comes out lava and i will have watched scoob yeah probably as a group um so you might hear our thoughts on that eventually but not now because that's next week in the recording time goodness it is isn't it Mm mm-hmm um also, there's like a new trailer out for it. It did more of... Okay. So I will say, this is minor spoilers for Scoob. Is that... Oh, you know, I'm just not going to say it, actually. Uh, I, I learned something interesting about how they're doing the Blue Falcon, and that's all I'll say. Ah. You know, that's wild. Okay, it's wild that our first episode was on the Blue Falcon, and Blue Falcon's <laughs> in the movie now. Yeah. <laughs> Nearly two years later. Yep. That's really funny. Uh, anyways, um, I guess it's time to talk about the film. Uh, this film was Scooby-Doo and the Samurai Sword. It was released on April 7th, 2009. I forgot that I didn't change my note properly since last time, and I said released in theaters, and that is incorrect. <laughs> This one did not go to theaters. It is, in fact, the last direct-to-video Scooby-Doo film to use the bright animation style keen to the What's New Scooby-Doo TV series. Mm. Thus making it the last What's New Scooby-Doo-related production. This is also the last time we'll hear Casey Kasem in one of these movies. Because um, this was his last Scooby-Doo appearance as Shaggy before his retirement. And... Then later death. Rest in peace. Mm-hmm. Um, but he did play Shaggy's dad in Mystery Incorporated. <laughs> the TV series? Yeah. Okay. Um, let's see here. Um, this is another note that I'll have to bring up later. So the film was written and produced by Joe Sishta, directed by Christopher Berkeley. Starring the voice acting talents of Frank Welker as Scooby-Doo, Fred Jones, Carrie Kilpatrick, and Mad Dog Masamoto. Casey Kasem as Shaggy Rogers. Mindy Cohn as Velma Dinkley. Gray Delisle Griffin as Daphne Blake and Sapphire Sonia. Kelly Hu as Miyumi and Miss Miramoto. Saab Shimono as Mr. Takagawa. Kaoni Young as Ma- Matsuhiro. Matsuhiro. Goodness, this is going to trip me up right now. 
trying to read all these names at the same time. <laughs> Kevin Michael Richardson as Sojo or R- Sojo and the Black Samurai. Uh, I believe it's pronounced Gede Watanabe as Kenji. George Takai as Old Man Samurai and Brian Cox as the Green Dragon. Um, so you'll remember several movies ago, I do not remember which one, but I watched it on DVD, and it had a special feature about magic tricks. <laughs> well, this one I also had to watch on DVD, and it had a special feature about martial arts. Nice. How was it? Uh, it was, you know, it was like a, a DVD martial arts instructional video. <laughs> it was very basic. Uh-huh. It was fine. Well, there's that at least. I'm gonna post a gift from it that I made. Let me pull it up. It's a gift where uh, he, you know, just brings it around town. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Karate. Lovely SpongeBob reference. <laughs> he does refer to it as karate. Oh my god. <laughs> Which is it's it's some primo stuff. Huh, so good. <laughs> We've been saying that a lot lately and every time it's making me laugh. <laughs> so the movie starts in Tokyo, Japan. Um, before we get too far into this, should I give the other two definitions I have written down since I've already done one? Yeah, go ahead. Okay. Mmm. Well, these are for describing the movie in general, but so again, should you should this wait till later, or can we just yeah, go now? just go for it? Okay. Um, the three definitions I have categorized as okay, meh, and bad. I've already given bad. Here's the meh one. This movie is something to watch if you're bored and there's nothing really else to watch. Yeah, I would use that to describe most Scooby Doo movies, to be honest. Yeah. And um, I think I'm gonna give the last one after because it works better. Okay. Okay. Proceed with the prologue. <laughs> All right. So Tokyo, Japan. We see a cityscape at night, and we zoom in on the Tokyo Museum of Cultural History, um, and watch the janitor Kenji just jamming out like a janitor do. Mm-hmm. Um. But he looks up and he sees that the skylight's been opened, and then the curator yells at him and complains about oh kids these days, not <laughs> beholding the history. Of ladies, and gen- ladies and gentlemen, our first red herring. And it should also be noted that this professor is voiced by the same guy who does Uncle from Jackie Chan Adventures. Another kids that we beat show. Mm. Um, and he takes them to a back room where he's like, hey, check out our new exhibit. The Black Samurai. The most <laughs> fearsome warlord in all of Japan. This m- exhibit could save the museum. And then spooky wind comes in, and there's lightning, and the samurai comes to life. And Kenji tries to, his best to protect, and attacks it with a mop. Dinner um, dead. But yeah, the mop gets cut in half. And then the samurai activates his jet bootsu and flies away. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then we get, like, a really weird intro cinematic. Mm-hmm. Normally, like it. Ha- Normally, these intros have like a jam at least that plays while it shows the stuff. But this is just like, yeah, 
This is here's some shots of a samurai fighting a dragon. Oh, the dragon is ripped. <laughs> I think yeah. you, I think you just killed them. Or <laughs> yeah, it's. I mean, I don't. I didn't <laughs> oh, remember how ripped the dragon was. <laughs> I have it open right now. Just kind of playing while while we're recording. <laughs> Uh, so the gang is in Japan, and they get off the subway at Shibuya Station and walk around. Um, and honestly, so they uh, do a camera angle here, like from the sky, and just like a very cool sky shot of the area. I have opinions on this music. There's something about this music that just threw me for a loop. It's very 50s movie. Yeah, think maybe they went back in. Do you think maybe they went in uh the back in their Ar- Hanna Barbera archives and found something? Maybe. It, it's just it's very uh. There are a couple shots where Scooby is just kind of like almost swaggering. It's hysterical. Oh yeah, no, it's definitely like a lot of shots of just like the gang swaggering down the street in Japan for seemingly no reason. No reason at all. It's f- hysterical. Um, I will say, speaking about music, that there are multiple points in this film where I'm like, hey, this music sucks. Oh, yeah. I have, I've written down horrific music twice in my notes. Oh, it's so bad. I'm not going to use any of it in this episode. It's just going to be the classic intro-outro. Yeah. Ain't happening. Um... So, they find a Scooby snack vending machine. Yeah, just luckily because they had just run out of Scooby snacks. And you know what? I think it's pretty cool that I I don't know why they put it in a vending machine, but like, hey, here's a box of Scooby snacks. We put some Japanese writing on it. I don't know if it is accurate. I don't know if any of this is accurate. I'm so curious. Um, so Daphne gets a text from her friend, Miyumi, who they are planning to meet here, because Daphne is here, we'll learn this later, but I'm going to say it now, Daphne is here to take part in a martial arts competition. Hell yeah. Uh, so they meet over at the Hachiko statue, and, you know, they find it, it's a popular photo spot, we hear the story of Hachiko, which I believe is a true story. I think so too. You know, and at least that Hachiko is a real thing that is there. And is, like, an actual story. Um, Scooby gets some photos taken. Um, and then Minumi's like, oh, hey, there you are. I've never met you before, but I know all about you. Something of note is that they have a conversation about Scooby getting his own statue. Yes. Um... So yes, the martial arts tournament that grants entry into a very prestigious martial arts academy. Which, what would the gang do if Daphne actually gets in? I mean... I guess they just live in Japan now. Yeah. They've still well, then I'm going to enjoy that. Uh, so then they get in a self-flying VTOL plane that takes them to the location and like... Shouldn't Velma be wigging out more about this plane? She, like, says some cool stuff about it and, like, interacts with it later in a tech way. And, like, mm-hmm. this is just, like, one of, like, the... Overall, I think 
this film is pretty decent about how it treats Japan and Japanese culture, except that it does sort of lead into like a, a like, oh yeah, of course they have self-flying VTOL planes that you can just get on. It's the technology capital of the world. Mm. And like, that just seems like a little too much. I don't know. And then we get a Casablanca reference. I think. I have not seen bus. Casablanca, so I could not tell you. Ah, uh, the plane, boss. The plane. That's a line from another movie. Oh, okay. I thought it was really conspicuous, but I didn't get the reference. Ah, okay. Yes. So at the Academy, we see Takagawa, the curator, talking to Miss Miramoto, the head of the Academy, about the Black Samurai and how he's attacked. And he's worried that it will come for the Destiny Scroll. Um, so Miss Miramoto's muscle, Sojo, just roughs him up a little. Uh, and they, then the gang arrives, and everyone has to wear a uniform. Um, and when Sojo goes to put Daphne in the uniform, Daphne just hip-tosses him. <laughs> because he's being a creep. Uh, and we meet some fighters here. We meet Carrie Kilpatrick, Sapphire, Sonia, and Mad Dog, Masimoto. Don't worry, none of them matter. No. Nope. <laughs> oh, I was going to ask, because with names like that, did they appear in the series already? Like, in general, or no? Well, I have no idea. I I mean, as far as the cartoon series go, I'm going to guess not. I would okay. love to know more about Sapphire Sonia and how she's Seriously. definitely a Mortal Kombat character. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm very disappointed about Sapphire Sonia not getting anywhere, like, any screen time except, like, one moment later. Because, dang, she looks cool! She's got an eye patch. Yeah! She's awesome looking. But, conversely, I'm very, very, very glad that, um, the Mad Dog character did not get any more screen time. Yeah, the gimmick is that he acts like a dog. Yeah. So I know it's, like, a culture thing, and, like, things are designed for reasons, um, but Miyamoto's, like, outfit, the entire time, I was just like, oh yeah, look, it's Azula from Avatar. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's so exactly the same colors and everything. It just extremely hit me that way. What yeah. year did this movie come out again? 2009. 2009. When was Azula first prem- premiered? Or what have you? Um, I was 14. Uh, 14 years ago math uh the my dvd collection is too far away so i'm gonna google it avatar the last airbender as a show came out in 2005 and ended at 2008 okay so it had ended by the time that this movie came out ah okay then yes she is imitating azula all right (laughs) i mean it it might just be more of a culture thing that i'm not aware of Mm. because like they did that show did a pretty good job of basing everything on real things. Mm-hmm. It's like just bears. colors. <laughs> but yeah, the colors are extremely the same colors. Yeah. Uh, so Daphne is sort of like, hey, check out Daphne. She defeated Sojo. Perform a demonstration for us against your best friend, Miyumi, as a pre-tournament, you know, fun time. And then Daphne proceeds to get wronged. Mm. Oh, she holds her own pretty well. She holds her own. The weird part about that scene, though, 
is that for half of the fight is playing like slapstick comedy music. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I did not notice. It, like, Neither did I. They get like four like exchanges of blows in before it cuts to any kind of action music. That's hysterical. Up until that point, you're hearing slide whistles. <laughs> but yeah, she ends up losing because Miyumi removes her hairband, which causes her bangs to fall in front of her face and blind her. Of note, there is a moment where there is a hidden camera uh, watching the fight. Yes. Which, creepy. It's very creepy, and mostly unimportant. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Miramoto says, like, oh, Daphne, you have talent, but it needs to be trained. But that's what this is for. And then they have, like, a sort of festival or a feast or a thing. And there's sumo going on. Freddy learns about geisha. So, actually, speaking of the geisha, I'll point out, like, one of the things that was extra weird about Monster of Mexico, despite all of the bad parts is how shoehorned a lot of the like oh that's spanish for blank or in this culture they do blank they it feels like they they've gotten like a better hand on it in this film like it's still there but it's less egregious i want to say yeah i would say so as well um so shag and scooby eat a bunch of food and then some ninjas show up Fred, classic Fred, thinks it's part of the show. Yeah. Ninja! I'm glad we didn't get Fred trying to poorly speak Japanese. Yeah. It's very funny sometimes, but I think at that point it would have been no good. No. And then we have our tea theme, I think. Yeah, we first we see like the rest of the combatants that all had names immediately defeated. <laughs> and then the black samurai shows up and is flying and covered in lightning. And then we get the chase scene. And my notes specifically say, and I'm going to say it so I can bleep it out. This song. Per section 741.b of the Crystal Cove bylaws, there are no monsters or monster-like creatures allowed in public areas. Sucks. <laughs> Agreed. Yeah, my notes say chase scene. Good scene, horrific music. Like, the gags work, but... Ugh, that music. Yeah, Shaggy and Scooby eat a bunch of food and become sphere-shaped and crush the ninjas. <laughs> um, the samurai directly attacks them, and then they fly away with an umbrella and then land behind the black samurai as he takes the destiny scroll. Um, but before... Or as he's taking it and leaving, or, or is about to leave... Miss Miramoto shows up with the rest of the gang and challenges the samurai to a sword fight. Um, and she manages to disarm him, but he smoke bombs out and takes the scroll. She has, oh gosh, there's probably a specific word for it, but she has a, a regular samurai sword and then a short sword. And it's really cool looking. Yeah, I forgot what it's, I, I know what, I knew what that was called at some point, but I do not remember what it's called now. God. Mm. It's on the tip of my tongue. Uh, the wakizashi. Okay, that's it not is the companion sword to a katana. Gotcha. Um, so I, I will say the last thing is, as the black, black samurai is leaving, he says, "The black samurai will live again forever," <laughs> <laughs> which is a sentence. 
Yep. Well, gang, it looks like another mystery. Uh, and then Takagawa tells them the legend of the Black Samurai, of how a ronin convinced Masamune to make him a special sword. But then Muramasa, the apprentice, made him a sword in half the time, and it was a cursed sword of doom that transformed him into the Black Samurai. Masamune finished the Sword of Fate and gave it to the Green Dragon, who fought the Black Samurai, and then the dragon sealed the Samurai in the Sword of Doom, and theoretically would have sealed it away forever. Uh, Which, why did he need the Sword of Fate to do that if he could just do that from the beginning? Well, you have to defeat him in order to... You have to get the Pokemon down to red before you can catch it reliably. (laughs) Fair point. You don't want the Black Samurai breaking out of the only thing that could taint it. That would be bad. Anyways, here's a Destiny Scroll that has a riddle that'll take you there. So you can release the ghost spirit. <laughs> yeah, the one the samurai took was a decoy, which in my notes I wrote, this level of planning, I don't know, shouldn't this be suspicious flog alert for the game by now after everything that's happened? You yourself brought up a Zula, eh. so it's like... Um... So here's the thing, I think that's very smart for anyone who keeps anything on display like that. Um, it's like how most fossils you see, or not most fossils, but there are cases that fossils you see in museums are actually, like, cast replicas. Mm-hmm. I'm right. barely certain that that's the case for a lot of, um, a lot of, for certain things that either are too old to be handled or shouldn't be actually exposed to certain lighting, they create a replica and have that on display. Mm-hmm. And while I agree that is kind of suspicious in a Scooby-Doo film, I think that because she's clearly aware of Takagawa, she has just good curator sense. Fair. And then we proceed to destroy the ancient old Yes. Scroll. Or, yeah. So, the scroll says, a journey of a thousand miles begins with a single step. The paper dragon leads the way. And we see Shaggy and Scooby making origami, and Fred's like, hey, Shaggy and Scooby... Take this ancient, priceless scroll and do an origami with it. Oh no! And they do. Uh, And it reveals that it actually says, The journey begins with a thousand steps. And they look it up and they find this (laughs) temple of a thousand steps devoted to the green dragon. I'm pretty sure Velma just Googles it. Yeah. Um, And so they're like, okay, the sword's probably there. Miyumi, go with them, and also Takagawa. Uh, Miyumi reveals during the flight, like, this is a surprise, because I don't normally get to leave Miss Miramoto's side. Um, And they get into some deep fog that makes them almost crash. But they manage to survive, and they have to climb the thousand steps. I feel like this island should be more of a thing with that design or what have you. Yeah, I also wish that it was less of a thing. As we will get to in a second. Oh, are you talking about um we'll Yeah, let's let's get there so we can skip it as quickly as possible. Uh um Shaggy accidentally sets off a mechanism inside that lights a lantern revealing a map to the sword on the island. And then or it says the secret falls from the mouth of the dragon. Uh, Takagawa reads something that's there and then immediately runs um, because it's bad and they keep running and they run into quote 
savages, end quote. Mm-hmm. Um, nothing you, important really happens. Literally nothing important happens. Nothing important happens. Well, I'm going to interject with one note here. In dealing with the Islanders and the scene that follows, which is heinous, may I add, Velma somehow conjured her laptop and somehow gets it to work. Where is she getting Wi-Fi? Yeah. <laughs> well, okay. And Here's the thing. It, maybe it's Bluetooth. <laughs> yeah. We see her actually typing on the thing, though. Yeah, but maybe it's Bluetoothed to the plane. And speaking of the plane, if they use the plane to escape and get into the dragon's mouth, if that was the case, why didn't they just stand the plane in to begin with? Yeah, it's like a whole thing. Like, if you want to show that the plane is high tech enough to work with a laptop, don't don't do this. No, you can just have Velma say it. No, That's the yeah. thing that I will allow you to tell, not show. It's yeah. fine. Yeah, hmm. it's really bad. This is it, like literally. This is like ruined the movie for me. I was like, this movie's oh. all right so far, What's... and then this happened, and I was like, well. Oh well. So they get to the sword. Yep, yeah. Nothing they, happened. Nothing happens. They fly through a, a waterfall. Um, Scooby waterfall takes... is like basically a skull. Yeah, it's straight up just a dragon's mouth. And my thought process is, how did you not see that? Why wouldn't you check that out first? Yeah. It's very conspicuous. Uh, it's like when you see a, uh, a castle with a skull on the front and you're like, man, I bet Skeletor lives there. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so they fly inside and Scooby's like, mm, I don't want to leave. I'm going to need 10 Scooby snacks. Which I think is the most that he's ever needed for a bribe on this program. Mm-hmm. Okay, I was about to say for this program because I'm pretty sure in a few episodes he's topped that. I'm sure. I'm sure they've bribed him with like an entire box before. Mm-hmm. True. Uh, not to mention that at least he's multiple times in canon he has received a lifetime supply of Scooby snacks as a reward. This is true. Uh, so let's see. So they find the Sword of Doom, and Daphne's like, "Hey, this is probably a trap." And Miyumi's like, "Nah, it's not a trap." And then it's a trap. This girl has clearly never seen Indiana. She's never left uh, Miss Miramoto's side. She's clearly been too sheltered from the world. (laughs) They have all that tech on the island, though. They don't have TVs or DVD players. No, they moved them. They went uh, instead of Blu-ray. They went with HD DVD. Uh, And honestly, (laughs) it's a big mistake on their part. (laughs) Anyways, um, in the middle of the collapsing temple, and enters in the samurai, I believe. Yeah, the, the a bunch of like stone faces are everywhere, which is like real weird. Uh anyways, so chase scene with keep away and there's cool lightning and color choices in it though. Like that's cool. Um mm-hmm. there's the bit where Velma loses her glasses, she can't see anything without her glasses. And they're on Shaggy's face. Who that's can't funny. see anything with the glasses. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Um, so there's more chasing and then the samurai smashes into the wall causing it to collapse uh, and for him to lose his helmet revealing Sojo! Sojo! That's right, it's Sojo 
He stole the armor and is using a jetpack and wanted to scare everyone so he could steal the scroll and take the sword. Uh, and he would have gotten away with it if it weren't for you meddling kids. Uh, but actually... Who was the one doing the exposition there? Hmm? Who was the one doing the expositioning there? Uh, during the part where they say meddling kids, Miss Miramoto is saying it. When did she get here? That's a very good question. I feel like they went back to the temple for this part. And how did Miss Miramoto figure this out? No, okay. So I think Felma is the one who did the armor and jetpack explanation stuff. It's just hmm. Miramoto butted in to say, and he would have gotten away with it if it weren't for you meddling kids. Ah. Uh. And then Sojo breaks free, and she's like, aha, I was the villain also. Yeah. Betrayal! I He's... I looked up when uh, they got to this point, and I thought to myself, how far in are we? And we're like <laughs> only th- 44 minutes in to this uh, one hour 14 <laughs> minute uh movie and i'm like oh it's a fake out that's right those ninjas from before they're robots and the tournament was an excuse to train the ninjas instead of just programming it i guess like okay why do you need to have people show up if you run the most prestigious martial arts academy in the world surely your own martial arts skills would be enough to train them like let's mm-hmm. be real yeah um and then they just needed to get someone to solve the scroll so we had to get new meddling kids in here why couldn't she just use the professor um because the professor didn't want to origami the scroll yeah that is a fair point um yumi takes the sword and is like no i have to obey my sensei uh she's loyal yeah, loyal to a fault. And then Scooby somehow gets the jetpack and he and Shaggy take off with the sword. Yeah, because they explain like, yeah, we're going to release the spirit and take over Japan and make tech and samurai coexist. And Daphne's just like, all right, I'm just going to kick the sword out of your hands then. And then Shaggy and Scooby take it and fly away. But everybody else is still captured. And we have a new chase scene. Yeah, and guess what? This music also... I already saw the movie. Believe me, Magically Frozen is the perfect viewing state to be in. Sucks. Yep, I hate it. Good chase scene, horrific music. Yeah, they fly through Tokyo, um, and then the jetpack runs out of fuel, and they crash on a dark street, and they hide in in a restaurant called Green Dragon Sushi. This chase scene, it ends with the potential of a start of a joke. A boy and his dog walk into a sushi bar. <laughs> the guy behind the bar says, have some soup. And then the ninja attack. Yeah, or Monster Hero's like, you know, there's always new chapters to legends. And then ninjas <laughs> attack. And he's like, wait, why do you have the Sword of Doom? And then he draws his own sword and defeats all of the ninjas. I love this guy. This guy oh, rocks. Obi-Wan Kenobi. Yeah, yeah, he's very Obi-Wan Kenobi. Oh, yeah. Uh, which, I mean, makes sense considering how much the original Star Wars and most of its sequels and prequels are based in, you know, like samurai and s- s- films and such. Mm-hmm. Hmm. And then the robot steals the sword. Yeah, they yeah. Ref- 
before he manages to kill all of them, one of the ninjas is like, I'm going to take this and run. Yeah. Um, and we it reveals that Matsuhiro is a samurai. Um, meanwhile, Fred is trying to chop his way out of the room they were locked in. And so up until this point, I thought, okay, clearly they would have gotten locked up at the academy where they were. Um, but then Kenji shows up. <laughs> yeah. And he's like, oh, hey, I didn't know you'd be in the vault. And I'm like, wait. They, they brought them back to the museum. Are, yeah, are we in the museum now? Is the museum the same place? What's going on? Um, For that, it doesn't matter. <laughs> so, yeah, this is the museum's vault. And he sets them free. Uh, meanwhile, Shaggy and Scooby are sad about, you know, failing at their job and are being taken to Mount Fuji to be trained as samurai. <laughs> I have opinions and notes on this, but we'll get there at the end of the movie. Um, I, After I said samurai that time, I was thinking about that one clip from that one YouTube video where the guy just goes, hire a samurai! And it's all auto-tuned. <laughs> oh, from the- History of Japan? Yeah. Gotcha. So Matsuhiro says, uh, when fear is gone, the mind will be empty. No thoughts, brain empty. (laughs) Brain empty, stomach full. (laughs) So Shaggy and Scooby have a training montage, and they have to pass through the four gates, one for each element. Um, Yeah, earth, water, fire, air. Only one can master all four elements. Yeah. Um, by passing through all four, they will pass into the den of the green dragon, where they can retrieve the sword of fate to defeat the black samurai. Um, so we start with the the gate of air. It's above a pit. Then they surf down a lava flow through the gate of fire, and then swim through the gate of water, and they meet the green dragon because they start by building the gate of earth mm-hmm. during their montage. Um, I do wish that that sequence was longer. I wish instead of it being like one continuous sequence, it was like a we cut back and forth type thing. Yeah, because they had like a full ten minutes of dead air that they could have filled in. Yeah, there's like there was ten minutes of this film that didn't need to exist that could have been something else. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's like this. Also, this. Okay. This film has shades of Goblin King in it. Yeah, here at I, the end. I had that thought. Yep, it, it like it it hits like the weird middle point between Witch's Ghost and Goblin King, which, despite that those are both in the top three of our movies, um, this one is like on the opposite side of the list in yeah. my opinion because yep. of like one scene. Yeah. Yes, they meet the Green Dragon. And the dragon's like, no, I can't help you because there's no place for dragons in the modern world. And then the dragon breathes fire on them and turns them into samurai. And they're like, hey, here's here's the sword of fate. You can have it. And also, I am going to help you after all because the thing I said about dragons not being able to exist in the modern world is, I guess, a moral we're trying to get at. But also, like, come on, I'm a dragon. Which, you'd think if he thought that, he would have gone over to the realm of the Goblin King or some other dimension by now. <laughs> True. Yeah. 
so they ride the dragon back to fight the samurai, and which is cool. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Miss Miyamoto is holding the scroll up to the moon to reveal the ritual to resurrect the black samurai. But before she can, Miyumi takes the sword and runs away. Unfortunately, this causes Daphne to be very excited and blow her cover, where the, her and the rest of the gang are hiding. Yeah. Um, Velma sets up an EMP using Kenji's motorcycle and EMPs all of the ninjas, and also all of Tokyo. Whoops. Which is bad. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's probably a war crime. Well, I was just thinking bad in general because God knows how much data was just lost on computers everywhere and so on and yeah, so forth. Yeah, I mean, there's probably like a lot of hospitals there. Like, come on. Oh, yeah. Not to mention the airports. Yeah. Or the military bases. Trains. I'm, a lot of trains. I'm, I always think to myself, oh, they have generators. They'll be fine. They'll be fine. It's all right. It's fine. Unless those got fried, too. Yeah. It was a pretty powerful a- EMP blast. It I, took I, out I, all of I'm Tokyo. Going to- I'm going to say there was a power plant nearby, and that's why everything crashed, because it messed with that. I don't know. The logistics hmm. of power outages are always just weird. Yeah, especially in media like this, where it's a cartoon. Yeah. Uh, so Miss Miramoto reveals that she has two two whip swords which she uses to knock the sword over to Sojo, who raises it to the moon and summons the Black Samurai. And that's the double betrayal fails. Yes, because Miss Miramoto's like, hey, you should listen to me. And the Black Samurai's like, no, I'm a samurai with magic powers. <laughs> yeah. Which. What did you expect? Um. Also, history conflict here. The YouTuber I brought up earlier also said this, like, why would a... Samurai from a time long past when women didn't exactly have a very good standing in Japan, like, you know, politically and like so and so, like mm. they were like trophy housewives. Why would he listen to a woman? Mm. Sorry. No. Yeah, yeah, it's fine. I, I just, it's very much like, no, I'm not going to listen to you. I'm evil. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Well, there's that too. And he just like force throws her and starts shooting lightning everywhere and is like, I'm gonna make everyone kneel before me. And then Shaggy and Scooby the Dragon Riders come in to save the day. Yes. Fresh from the land of Burke come Shaggy and Scooby. <laughs> <laughs> um This is, by the way, why I think the Green Dragon was like, Yeah, alright, I'll help you out. Because he instructs Shaggy to draw the sword. And he would then imbue himself in the sword and guide them through the sword. Yeah. That's why I'm thinking, oh, all right, it's just a, uh, there's no place in the modern world for dragons. I'm going to go out with a bang. Yeah, I'm just going to become a cool sword and control it from the inside. <laughs> but I need someone to hold it because I can't be that magical. Yeah. Um, And then Shaggy and Scooby take a chicken fight stance. <laughs> By which I mean, Shaggy is sitting on Scooby's shoulders, wielding the blade above his head. (laughs) Oh, gosh. Uh, And they managed to hold their ground for a while. um, And, you know, they managed to get a good hit in where Scooby tickles him. And then, like, throughout the fight, they switch who's on top, and it's very fun. Mm -hmm. Um, And then they start running on water and flying. (laughs) Why not? 
Um, and like this. Okay. So at this, from here on out, they sort of hit me like, Oh, Oh, this film exists in the universe of that fanfic we read that hasn't been made public yet. Yeah. Uh, which I, what? Uh, the, I believe you may have, you might've been the one who sent it to us. The one about what if at the end of Goblin King, Shaggy and Scooby were like, actually, no, we're real magic, and the gang learned. Oh, that one of the ones I sent you from Pillow Fort. Yeah. Yes. Well, actually, since we're going to be doing this, I guess I'll just throw this in now. My third definition for this movie. The, the one where Shaggy t- steps away from Sorcerer by taking a level in Magus. <laughs> Honestly, yeah. Like, I feel like it, in this film it's designated that Shaggy and Scooby are like the resident we deal with the supernatural stuff and the gang is aware of it. Mm-hmm. Because at no point does the gang freak out like, hey, uh, Shaggy and Scooby just showed up on a dragon and are flying. <laughs> <laughs> and like, at no point does Velma even try to be like, it was probably just like, it's shared hallucination. <laughs> yeah, it's just, it's whatever. It's no swamp gas here. Um, but yeah, Masahiro is there and is like, no, <laughs> with a megaphone. Your brain. I just love the megaphone. <laughs> yeah, he's like, man, did you hear that voice? It sounded like Masahiro, the lessons he was telling us. He's like, no, I'm over here yelling at you. <laughs> uh, so they have a, um, a meditative, like, oh, we have to have brain empty. Brain Moment. empty. Yes. Um, and Scooby empties his mind and channels the green dragon and cuts the sword of doom in half, destroying the samurai Woo! and freeing the gang. Um, and they re- remove the mask of the samurai, revealing the, the Ronin. And he's like, "Thank you for defeating me. That sword sucked." <laughs> <laughs> and he dies. <laughs> And the Cultural History Museum has gotten a major upgrade, and there's a new exhibit on the Black Samurai, and Scooby gets a statue, um, and they're like, hey, Mayumi, you mentioned wanting to join the gang, and, you know, like, do you wanna? You got a spot open, you know, left by a very small dog that we don't talk about. (laughs) (laughs) Which, on that note, did Miss Miramoto and company get arrested or no? Um, what would they get arrested for? (laughs) <laughs> yeah magic is real <laughs> like I, I hope, like uh yes cops i would like you to arrest this woman for summoning a ghost yeah the second i said it like that and you brought that up that same sentence hit me and i'm like okay yeah she didn't like they literally didn't do anything <laughs> like they did something they tried to take over the world but like why does Scooby get a statue? Because he channeled the green dragon and saved the world from the Sword of Doom. Or maybe it's leftover from the last time and he and the gang were in Japan and Scooby had to save Shaggy. I guess. For being a kaiju. <laughs> um, like, because like, it's definitely, it's part of the museum, so I think Takagawa probably commissioned it because, mm. you know, he did see the whole fight or whatever. I hope that thing actually isn't made of solid gold. 
Probably, probably not. not. It's probably got like a gold paint job or something. Yeah. Um, Scooby gets stuck in a bunch of pictures. Um, yeah, he gets stuck taking pictures of a bunch of people. Uh, and then Scooby Dooby Doo. And that's the film. Yeah. Yep. Honestly, if it weren't for that one particular section, this would be a lot higher on the list than where it's going to end up. For real. Same. Like, it's just... Well, actually, not just that one scene. It needs to get some music redone, too. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, the music is bad, for sure. Yeah. I tend to zone out during chase sequences. Like, but, like, it, it would still be, like, the music is something I could still, like, overlook and just, like, rank it a little bit lower. Mm-hmm. Like, instead of top five, it would be just in the top half or something. Right. But, like, that that scene was so bad. Mm-hmm. It's like they had an Indiana Jones moment and they were like, hey, let's just go with it. And have another Indiana Jones moment that's worse. It's just so frustrating. Yeah. Yeah, like I feel like our thoughts are pretty clear. Like it, it's it doesn't do anything else egregiously. It just it did one very very bad thing, and then the music wasn't good. Like the music was almost offensive. Also, like especially the okay, the second one during the Tokyo chase scene was like literally like I was like hmm. This might be racist. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't think it might be. I think it might actually be racist. Yeah, it was pretty gnarly. It, like, it was almost a good song, and they just, like, twisted it, and I was like, Ugh. Yeah. Uh, um, so, how does this movie compare to Scooby-Doo 2002? Worse. Worse. How does this compare to Scooby-Doo and the Loch Ness Monster? I'm willing to say worse. <laughs> hmm. Well, the double betrayal is done better here than in Loch Ness Monster, and there is supernatural elements here that are present. Yeah, but like... But also, yeah. Like, it's just very... Like, it, I'm so mad about it. Mm-hmm. It's... Mm. It, like... Once it happened, I couldn't stop thinking about it for the whole movie. Mm. Okay, so we have one heinous scene in disfavor. We have two horrible songs, so that's three bad points for this movie. And on the other hand, we have supernatural stuff. How was the mystery? What else is good about this movie? Uh, The mystery was strange. Considering it was like actually real, yeah. Like, the mystery wasn't really there because they have to, like, make it go faster. They had to have the mystery done in half the film time. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'll give it to you. The bad outweighs the good. So worse. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, I think it might be faring a little bit better here in a bit. Uh, how does it compare to Scooby Goes Hollywood? Uh, I, better. Yeah. Better, for sure. All right. How about compared to Scooby-Doo and Arabian Nights? Better. Yeah. Okay, I'm I'm gonna agree with you, but I do really like the Megala Gorilla section of Scooby Doo <laughs> and Arabian Nights. The further we get away from it, the more I like. Yeah, Megala Gorilla's all right. 
That's fair. It is very fair. He's got a gorilla for sale. <laughs> I am perfectly fine with putting it under. Um, I'll put it above because the rest of that was garbage. Oh. Um, I I do think it's below Alien Invaders, though. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I was actually going to say that if we had. Yeah. All right. So that cements its place here in the bottom that just above the bottom five still not as bad as monster of mexico yeah it would have had to like monster of mexico is like that one bad part but like a little bit less than like it's a little bit less than how bad that one part was Mm -hmm. but it was spread out across the entire movie yeah um but we did get Manana out of it. Yeah. <laughs> that episode was wild. Yeah. Alright, um, so that's a wrap on that. Let me read off the list here in one second. I'm just gotta type in a number here. We are almost at sixty percent of all Scooby Doo films. Gosh. Calculated. Oh well, hold on, let me um let me drop that down. All right, we're back down to 56% because I'm going to add Scoob in there now that it's almost out. Uh. All right. So the list from the bottom is Monster of Mexico, Scooby-Doo and the Reluctant Werewolf, Scooby-Doo meets the Boo Brothers, Scooby Goes Hollywood, Scooby-Doo and Arabian Nights, Samurai Sword, Alien Invaders, Loch Ness Monster, Legend of the Vampire, Aloha, Scooby-Doo, WrestleMania Mystery, Zombie Island, Music of the Vampire, Scooby-Doo 2002, Mask of the Blue Falcon, Pirates Ahoy, Moon Monster Madness, Ghoul School, Sonic the Hedgehog 2020, Scooby-Doo the Mystery Begins, Pokemon Detective Pikachu, Cyber Chase. Uh, I had to take a breath. I thought I was going to be able to do it, but uh, (laughs) Scooby-Doo 2, Monsters Unleashed, Where's My Mummy, Chill Out Scooby-Doo, Goblin King, and Witch's Ghost. Woo! So, I'm so curious. What what was the writer of this again? Um, let me pull up my notes. I do not remember if it was written by Joe Sishta, but I know it was directed by Joe Sishta. I want to say you said it was. I feel like Joe Sishta has some bad writing. Yes, written and produced by Joe Sishta. Okay, so... I'm tr- I'm trying to remember which ones were um, done by me, him. Let me search Joe Sishta on the Scooby Doo fandom wiki and see if it comes up with anything. I can close this tab for small katana name. <laughs> oh boy, oh boy, oh boy. It's not wanting to load. Um hmm. Uh, in the meantime, Crest, um, plug your stuff. Um, well, first, are we still doing that one thing where we're trying to shout out other podcasts or what have you? Yeah, um, I had actually remembered this have time one. because I was going to do that after you finished plugging your stuff. Oh. And then okay, I would have I you could... plug in a thing that you are not r- working on. Okay. All right, my name is Crest. Um, you can find me on, on Twitter at FantasyCrest. 
and just crest on pillow fort. I my username comes from the word for symbols, like from Digimon. Um, I an artist is the loose term for it. I write, I draw, fanfiction. That's so so. Um, I'm hoping to have a Ryotama campaign up soon, which I'll be putting up on Vimeo because I'm scared of the YouTube overlords. Um, and yeah, that's pretty much it. Hmm. All right. And would you like to plug something that you are not involved with? I would actually. Um, I actually made a note of it in my notes. I would like to put in a plug for the Forge Academy. It is a D&D 5e livestream podcast of sorts. On You can find it on iTunes and other places. It's set in a homebrew c- campaign world. But, um, sorry. They use a book called Witch Plus Craft, which is um, a supplement, homebrew supplement created by Astrologo Press, which is all about crafting and it has very heavy Studio Ghibli elements for crafting and so on and mm-hmm. so forth. And it is a very good podcast they're doing. Like they've just started and they could use some good support. All right, very And you can neat. find them at Twitter at F-A-E-F-O-R-G-E-A-C-A-D-E-M-Y. Okay. No space. All right, there we are. Sorry, I didn't mean to jump in the middle of your thing. I thought you had reached an no endpoint. Okay, so I did look up Joe Sishta on the Scooby-Doo wiki. Mm-hmm. Um, here are some weird things about the movies he's written. So he's written, he wrote Scooby-Doo and the Samurai Sword, um, but he also wrote Scooby-Doo and the Loch Ness Monster, um, Scooby-Doo, Where's My Mummy, Chill Out Scooby-Doo, and Scooby-Doo and the Goblin King. I will say it says Story By for Loch Ness Monster, so it doesn't necessarily... Yeah, it doesn't necessarily say wrote it. But I'm just like, I realized, I'm fascinated by this. Like... He has three written bangers, and the then one three of like, four of our top ones, and then this one, which is almost bottom five. And granted, he did not write Monster of Mexico, but he was storyboard. Yeah. He, well, anyone can swing and miss, so. right? Yeah. I'm just like fascinated. It's interesting, just like yeah. how big that drop is too because goblin king was the one right before it granted i will say this goblin king and samurai sword were being worked on at the exact same time Mm. um i think goblin king got put out earlier because they managed to get it out around um halloween time Mm. that might actually explain a little bit yeah uh samurai sword was the dump the dump stat which is to be looking at how good goblin king was you know what (laughs) I'll if that's what made Goblin fine. King good, I'm fine with that. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so I just wanted to point that out because I'm like, wait a second, because we had like a long string of Joe Shista. Yeah, I think I said it last time that we are coming up on the end of Joe Shista's appearance in our podcast because mm-hmm. um, I believe this was the last film he was credited on. Mm-hmm. I think so. All right. Um, so you can find the show on Twitter at Kids and Their Dog, um, and you can also find us on Patreon at Patreon.com/KidsAndTheirDog, where you can give us your money for bonuses. On um, at 
$1 a month, you get a shout-out on the show. And if it will show me who's giving us money, I would love to shout them out. Alright, yes. Um, you'll get a shout-out on the show, just like Tess. Thank you, Tess. Thank you, Tess. And James. Thank you, James. Thank you, James. Charlie. Thank you, Charlie. Thanks, Charlie. And Tanner. Thank you so much, Tanner. Thanks, Tanner. Um, at $5 a month, you'll get access to bonus episodes, which include things such as... Nope, come on. the Something I referenced before, the Kids and Their Dog Book Club, <laughs> which is a thing where we dramatically read fan fiction. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, I actually started <laughs> editing the second one, the one that we referenced here about Goblin King, uh, and... That was a lot longer than the first one we did. <laughs> yeah, it was. But man, was it worth it. Um, I imagine there will also be a Scoob the movie spoiler cast there. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a Rise of Skywalker thing on there. There's Sonic the Hedgehog, Pokemon Detective Pikachu. Um, we talked about Pokemon multiple times. Um, and also at $35 a month, you can get a CD sent to you. That's not important. Uh, um, also, if we hit $50 a month total, we'll do a, a monthly episodes about uh, the cartoon episodes. Um, and at $100 a month, I'm, I still need to bump that up, I think, and change some of the wording. But we'll do cat... Or, I almost called it cat dice, because that's how I abbreviate it. Kids and their dice. Um, a actual play thing. Speaking of which, uh, the Ravencroft Manor thing that we posted, like, on in Halloween times, I finally edited at least the first episode of that, which I'm going to put up. It's going to be public for free on the Patreon page. It will not be in the actual podcast feed. Um, I might also post it on our website at kidsandtheirdog.wordpress.com, but like I said, it won't be in the feed. Because I don't want to censor the cursing. Um, and that's it about our Patreon. Thank you so much for those of you who are continuing to give us money in this very ter- tumultuous time. Cass, can we find you on Twitter? Uh, yes, you can find me on Twitter at Madlebotanist. That's M-A-D-L-O-B-O-T-A-N-I-S-T. <laughs> um, where recently I tweeted a picture of Jar Jar Binks and, and about how a year ago... Charlie and I had went to Disney World. Yeah. Uh, you can also, speaking of Charlie, find a podcast that I do with Sir over at Prepod Engage um, on Twitter, which is Precure Podcast Engage. It's a show about watching the entire Precure franchise, <laughs> and also Ben Ten. Um, also, also. I have a test podcast going on. By the time this comes out, it may have gone past the test phase. I don't know. Um, it's over in our Hey, Let's Talk About It feed at Hey, Let's Talk cast that Crash and I are doing. It's called RNGG. It's a randomly generated game design podcast where we randomly generate a topic, either genre and topic or something else. Basically, we just take an idea and come up with a game idea for it. Oh yeah, I think I saw you guys tweeting about that a while back. Mm-hmm. Um, the first two episodes are very good. The second episode's not out yet as of recording, but we have recorded it, and it was very fun. 
I am um, very excited to hear it. Yes, the first one I will spoil now was for a detective simulation game, and the second episode is about car tactics. <laughs> hmm. Very uh, exciting. But that's that about that. Lava, how about you? You can find me on Twitter at LavaBees, L-A-V-A-B-E-E-S. And I do mm-hmm. this podcast, and that's about it. Well, you gotta get you on some more shows, at least as a guest. Yeah. You're very fun to talk to, is the thing. Yeah, I try. Alright, um, I think that's pretty much- Oh, you know what? Crest, since you're here, and we've almost reached the point in the year where it'll show up, let's talk about Apex City, an actual play podcast <laughs> about masks. Ah, uh, yeah, their hindsight project. Um, hindsight 2020 is their current event that is going um, one episode a month throughout the entire year. <laughs> Crest and I both appear during the Silver Age arc, which will be starting, I believe, next month as of Ooh. time of airing. Nice. If I've gotten my math right, they just finished Bronze Age, which means a future episode will go up this month, and then next month should be Silver. I am so looking forward to it. Yes. Uh, we do some fun stuff. There's a rock involved, and I can't say anything else. <laughs> All right. Um, so thank you so much for having me on. Of, of course. course, thank you for being on the show. Yeah. Um. So next month we're going to jump past a movie because I need to talk to some people who wanted to be on it. Um. So we're going to jump right to Camp Scare, which. I feel like I've seen something about this movie, but I don't know anything actually about it. I think I know what it is you might have seen. Um, I know nothing. Yeah, I, I tell you, but it'd be spoilery. So I, I think the thing that I saw was some of the gang mem- members. Sorry, some of the members of the gang uh, in camp counselor type uniforms. Oh. Uh. So until then, they would have gotten away with it too. If it weren't for us meddling kids. And their talking dog. <laughs>